welcome to the Social Ideas podcast brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. Congratulations to the 2022 Cambridge Social Innovation Prize winners awarded by Trinity Hall and the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. The £10,000 awards are made annually to extraordinary founder CEOs of scale-up social enterprises to support their growth as leaders. Mentoring from experts at Cambridge Judge Business School and support from an expanding community of social innovators at Trinity Hall will help the winners to develop the skills, resources and networks they need to create more impact from their work. In this episode of the Social Ideas podcast, we hear from winner Anne Bailey, the founder of Form the Future, about her work with young people progressing from education into rewarding careers. I began by asking her how Form the Future came about. I think I came up with the idea for Form the Future from my own lived experience. So I was someone who really didn't know what to do when I left school. And I was on a journey, a kind of a meandering journey through different jobs, took me to different countries, just always trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I finally realized, actually, at age 50, I am an older entrepreneur, uh, that I wanted to help others uh, make that journey easier. And I saw an opportunity and I went for it. It practically what happened was that back in 2012, I had just finished a major project for BT. It was linked to the London Olympics. And For the first time in my life as a self-employed person at that stage, I did not know who I was going to invoice the following month. And that was the, that was a bit of a shock. And I realized I had to come up with a new business idea. And I decided to build on that work I'd been doing with BT. I had, I was living in Cambridge. I had my own children in local schools. And what I'd done with BT was take their their volunteers from across BT into schools all around the country to help students who were um, preparing for interviews or having to put a CV together. We were building employability skills and the BT people loved doing it. You know, they would often say to me, this is the absolutely best part of my job. And I knew they were having a huge impact on young people themselves. So I thought this is a real win. So going back to having my own children at school in Cambridge, I thought they're going to be so lucky. They're going to be, you know, Cambridge is a really dynamic local economy. It's full of startups. There's amazing things happening in research, in life sciences, in tech. And I thought that they would be getting exposed to lots and lots of different companies doing amazing things, feeling really inspired about their future careers. And instead, I didn't see it. I did not see it happening. I thought I saw schools as being sort of a completely separate universe to the world of work. And so my idea in this month of thinking, what can I do to make some money next month was Could I take that experience I'd had at BT and create something in Cambridge, which was connecting the schools and the businesses so that students were learning about those opportunities on their doorstep, that they were meeting relatable role models who could help them think about and consider their next step. So that's what I set out to do. 
And that's what started in 2013 as a project with the local schools and has grown to be uh, Form the Future. We launched in 2015. We've been going now for about seven years and we've gone beyond Cambridge. Uh, we work with about 100 schools around the region and many and representatives from many, many different companies. So what is it then that you actually do? more specifically with the students. In the UK, students need to make choices um, while they're at school uh, that are going to impact their future career. I mean, they have to choose what GCSEs to take, what A-levels to take, or other level three qualifications. They then need to decide if they're going to go to university. They have to decide what they're going to study. This is really unusual, the narrowing of the curriculum that happens in the UK. And normally students are doing that completely based on you know what subjects they like what their friends might be doing sometimes with parental influence or teachers encouraging them and often without that big picture that long-term thinking about well if i want to progress into a career in medicine for example i'm going to have to take certain subjects at gcse if i want to become an architect i'm going to have to do this and that so we want to make sure that long before they're making those important choices, they've had exposure to people doing those jobs, or they've learned what's involved, and they've had the chance to sort of reflect on themselves too. So actually, what we do is we start in primary schools, we either bring people from business into schools to do workshops or give talks, and we take kids from schools into businesses. We start in primary schools, we go all through secondary, and we really start focusing and narrowing on more of the sort of employability skills piece, the sort of how do you put a CV together, how do you perform well in an interview, thinking and making choices about whether to go for an apprenticeship or to do a further uh, further education, etc. as we get towards the end of that educational journey. But from the early stages and throughout, it's about exposure to lots of different people doing lots of different jobs, a chance to ask them questions, to do things together, to learn about yourself as well. So it's careers talks, it's mentoring, it's work experience programs, it's enterprise challenges, and it's hands-on STEM program called Cambridge Launchpad. Uh, so you're actually having a go at things like I don't know, extracting DNA or putting a robot together or building a bridge out of chocolate. So there's all sorts of things that we do age appropriate, using people from industry and with in partnership with schools. You mentioned, of course, the UK has a rather unique educational system, but through your own personal experience of working with these young students, how then do you help them to understand that a choice that they're making at such a young age doesn't have to be what they're doing at, for example, 45. Yeah, no, it, you're, you're so right. And the world of work is changing. You know, they, there's lots of stats around the, the percentage of jobs that don't yet exist. You know, you know, kids today are going to be doing jobs that we can't even conceive of. If you just think about things like the introduction of apps, you know, digital marketing didn't exist as a career. It's now huge. So, so many things like that are going to change and evolve. And, and we also know that people will set out with the best intentions to follow a career and to say, 
the law and then decide actually that doesn't that doesn't fill them with joy you know and they want to change and and that's fine too so actually one of the core elements of our work is self-awareness so actually helping kids really really learn about who they are what drives them what their values are their strengths and weaknesses and we all have both that is such a key foundational aspect to our work because if you if you know yourself and then you start to learn about those opportunities you can navigate your career and we help them realize that it will change they can always course correct i often use the analogy that a career is not a ladder it's a climbing wall sometimes you have to go sideways sometimes you go back in order to get to where you want to go so it's absolutely important that they know that you know making a wrong choice isn't a failure it's just information that's going to help you make a better choice next time it's really about empowerment um if we can admit, help young people make choices that they're happy with and that they are the right choices for them they're not doing it just to please their teachers or their parents then then we feel we've succeeded and if you can leave school thinking I know myself, I know about things out there, I know what I do, I know that I don't know everything either and that things will change and I can change, then we've achieved what we're set out to achieve. If I can just add that what we're also trying to counter is some of the unhelpful attitudes that young people will encounter throughout their time at school and throughout their childhood as they're heading towards adulthood. That can be prejudice, that can be biases, that can be the sense that, you know, people like us don't go into jobs like that. Girls can't do boys jobs, boys can't do girls jobs. That is what I really want to bust open. And I want to challenge those stereotypes, those ideas about who can do what job. And, you know, it's, we all know that, you know, unconscious biases is, is unconscious, isn't it? Sometimes teachers don't realize the messages they're sending to some of their students. Sometimes parents don't realize the pressure they're putting on their students. And sometimes students hold on to their own sort of biases about what they think they're capable of. So again, that's what Form the Future is really trying to work against. In our view, really anyone can do anything if they have the right attitude, the willingness, and if we can step in and provide them with the networks, the contacts, the social support that they need to explore all the opportunities around them. So essentially what you're saying is you are working to deconstruct the systemic injustices within the, the work infrastructure. Absolutely. And I often talk about sort of deconstructing the way traditional careers advice has been given in schools. We like to think or disrupting it rather, you know, we really think that we are offering a new model, a better model, a model that will that really does challenge some of the status quo. I mean, the education system in this country is really unusual. It, you know, I've, I've it, with the the early choices, you know, the assumption that by the time you're 15, you can decide whether or not you're going to rule out maths. I'm the only one in my family who studied maths after age 15. And I'm part, not even a mathematician, but I had to do it because I grew up in the US. I had to do it at least till 18. And even when I went to university, I had to do certain subjects outside of my discipline. So 
sometimes I feel that I have a bit of a, you know, a sort of trivial pursuit education. I have a little bit of knowledge about lots of different subjects rather than that deep knowledge. But actually what it's given me is that confidence to think, I can try that. I'll probably need to keep learning and I'll keep having to get educated. But I have that broad curiosity about what happens in the world and just enough information to have a go. I fear that what we do in this country with the sort of traditional academic model is that we're just narrowing, squeezing, concentrating. And whilst we may end up with some people who have a really deep well of fount of knowledge in certain subjects, they can feel really ill-equipped to try new things and to go outside of that comfort zone. So I'm not going to change that overnight, um, but we can work within that system to help challenging mindsets, attitudes, and giving young people exposure to many, many more possibilities and at the right time to serve, help inform those decisions they might have to make. You talk about traditional education, you talk about different options and different opportunities. How do those two statements come together when you work with young people who don't want to go to university or who come from a more disadvantaged background where going to university actually not only is it not affordable, but it's not something that's happened? in their families previously. How do you take the model that you have now and make that work in those environments? So I think it's really important that young people don't believe there's only one correct option, um, that they feel that whatever choice they, whatever path they pursue could be a lead to a positive outcome. So not all young people want to go to university and nor is sometimes the university the right choice for them. So we're really keen to also promote the technical and vocational routes. There are some fantastic apprenticeships. You know, you can start an apprenticeship age 16 or 18. That apprenticeship might actually put you through university and you end up with a degree. You can even do an apprenticeship up to master's degree now. So let's, we've got to change people's attitude to what that apprenticeship option looks like. But that suits someone who likes to learn through doing, who likes the applied, you know, likes to learn a little bit of something that one day a week in college, and then go out four days a week and be using it in the workplace, in their job, with feedback, with guidance, with mentorship, and that's how they succeed. Crown, and I really think it's important that we have diverse people in our universities bringing different life experience and different perspectives in the same way that it's great that we have diverse communities in our workplaces, because all of that leads us to sort of think better, think more broadly, as well as the social justice element. But if that university route isn't right for you, don't feel you have to stay on that conveyor belt that says GCSEs, A-levels, university, and that that is somehow a guaranteed route to success. I've seen too many young people come out the other end thinking, what was that all about? I've been left with debt. I'm going to be paying off for the next 20 years. I may have made some good friends. I may have had a good time. Frankly, actually, those who've been through university in these last few years have not had such a brilliant time. They have really struggled. And so we need to make sure that students see all the options for their next steps. And the third one I really want to talk about as well is enterprise. 
So again, part of my lived experience, the joy of forming my own company and going through that incredibly challenging experience is so rewarding that I want to make sure that young people have that option too. So we do a lot of work in schools with entrepreneurs to help them get that taste of what it's like to start your own business. And, you know, whether that's a business doing dog walking in your neighborhood or selling stuff online or a social enterprise where you've got a social mission that drives you, that can be equally rewarding and a really positive option to choose, you know. So rather than that old conveyor belt, you know, GCSEs, A-levels, university as being the only approved path, we want to show them there's apprenticeships, there's, there's entrepreneurship, there are a number of ways in which you can get out there, spread your wings, see what you're capable of, and find the route that is going to bring you joy. Everything that you're doing obviously has social impact. How do you quantify that impact that you're creating? So that's always the hardest thing, and I'm, I'm probably not the first social entrepreneur to say that. We track lots of different data points uh, to try to see whether the things we're doing are leading to the intended outcomes. So, you know, the, the ultimate outcome is that young people move through education into employment, into jobs where they feel fulfilled. So that can't be measured by their salary, that can't be measured by the qualifications they've achieved, that can't be measured by anything other than so that sort of sense of, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the choices I've made. Now, that is a really hard data point to capture. We start with them in school, we see them through their education, and then they launch into the world. And we have not yet found a way of actually tracking every one of those students into that long term. So the time scale is long, and they do go beyond our reach, as it were. So what we do instead is we track along the way. So we are constantly checking in about attitude, confidence levels, assessing whether they're getting the quality of information they feel they need to make the right next steps. And we sort of triangulate that with student, uh, sorry, teacher observation. So for example, when we run our mentoring program, so that's a more intense program that we do with students who might need more support, um, perhaps coming from more disadvantaged backgrounds or have more barriers or being more at risk of dropping out. Intense piece of work, on mentoring and actually what we find out the the teachers tell us is their attitudes better they're coming to school they seem more engaged in their learning the students themselves tell us they see the point of school as a result of the mentoring program so for me that's a huge impact you know to see the point of school for someone who perhaps did not see the point of school earlier they're in with a chance of continuing to learn getting any qualifications they will need and being in a place where we can continue to work with them and help them as they prepare for that next step. The other side of the coin is the employers and we haven't really talked about our employers that much but whilst I'm driven by making a difference for the children, I'm also really mindful that the employers are our partner in this and they have needs too. So they have skill shortages. They need to develop a talent pipeline, you know, a steady stream of young people knocking on their doors at 16, 18 or 22 who are going to come 
and join their ranks, who are going to have the skills that they need, who will have experience or interest or qualifications in the in the subjects that they see growing in their businesses. So when employers come and tell us, we just appointed someone who we met at one of your careers fairs, you know, or we met them at a careers fair, we invited them for work experience. Now they've started an apprenticeship with us. Again, for me, that is a massive impact. You know, that is a real result. It's And it's a result for both parties. My final question for you, Anne, is based around the fact that you are one of the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize winners for 2022. Congratulations. Being one of the winners obviously means that you will receive £10,000. And as joyful as that seems, there are, of course, conditions to it, which is that it's about improving you and impacting you as the founder and the CEO of Form the Future. So how do you feel this prize will impact you and the work that you do? So this prize is huge to me. As a CEO, you never put aside time or money for your own development. It's, you know, I have to say I've applied for programs over the years. I started with Cambridge Social Ventures. So I've always believed in reaching out, asking for help, getting mentors, but I rarely invest in my own professional development. And yet I know I need it. You know, we are at a really critical point with Form the Future where we could really scale. We could go global. We could strengthen and develop so that we become the gold standard for this sort of work. Now, I know there are others out there doing things similar. I want to learn from them. So part of the prize, I hope I can be doing some reference visits. I can go meet other players, other providers. I know I have so much to learn and I have my own weaknesses that I need to work on. And I look for training and support to develop in those areas. Running a growing business is hard and I wasn't trained to do this. So the opportunity to invest in my personal and professional development to also to get access to the network of mentors and advisors and contacts that come with the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize is just incredible. I really look forward to tapping into all of that, to putting a focused plan together to address my own areas of development. Yeah, I couldn't be more delighted to have that opportunity. That was Anne Bailey, founder and CEO of Form the Future and winner of the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize 2022. You can find out more about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube.